Call this meeting to order. It's three minutes after five. Clerk, will you please call the roll? Sure. Uh, Trustee Thompson? Present. Trustee Banerjee? Here. Trustee Charlin? Here. And Michelle is? President Lawrence is excused absence. Yes. We have a quorum. We have correct? a quorum, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, I'm doing the job. <laughs> it's okay. Um, let's go to the consent agenda with the meeting uh, with the minutes of uh, June 1st. Um, we have a motion. I move. I second. Move. Any discussion? All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Any abstentions? No retrospective review. Um, contract authority. Dr. Jamaladeen, I do not see. So, so but we have IRA. I do. Oh, no. I, take <laughs> I will present. It says Dr. Jamaladeen Medical. Hey, Dave. There we go. Okay. Okay. 
Go for it. All right. Okay. Um, I will start off with what is tab 3A on the agenda. Uh, I have 3A is UCSF neurosurgery. Yeah, so before you get started, oh, there was a change for the agenda um, that was posted uh, Monday. And so the, uh, the UCSF contract and those on there were withdrawn. So now there's just two items uh, lines one and the ratification of the contract with that column. So Colin Construction is. So the only thing that's being pulled is UCSF neurosurgery. Sorry about that. Right. Yes. Okay. I mean, as much as it looked, it might look that I'm desperate, I don't go on board effects every day to see if you have changed it. It might be nice if you give us a heads up if you're nope. dickering with the agenda substantially so as not to cause embarrassment. Okay, Alliance One. Okay, um, if I can, then I'll start. This is actually a three-in-one. So this one summary is actually containing what will be a proposed set of three contracts that will be the result of an RFP that was completed by my department recently. The purpose of the RFP was to identify vendor or vendors who were qualified to assist us in the management of patient self-pay accounts receivable. Um, as a quick primer as to what that means, because I had to educate myself a little bit, um, what we're really looking at are accounts receivable for patients, and they would be who have self-pay responsibility, either what I would call ab initio, meaning that they didn't have any insurance and they're going to do their best to pay what they can, as well as probably the larger category, which would be patients who had a third-party payer, such as Medicare, Medi-Cal, or commercial, as the case may be, but those insurance policies require such things as co-pays, co-insurance, and or, of course, increasingly high deductibles in this day and age. So that is the category, if you will, that all fall into patient self-pay, and it was that category of accounts receivable we were looking for assistance with on vendors to help us basically process those. With that being said as a backstop, we have two categories of accounts receivable. There are what are referred to as early out, and then there is bad debt. Early out starting first would be the bucket of those patients that I just mentioned who are self-pay and that actually are between 1 and 120 days from the beginning of the creation of that account. The bad debt, basically it's all about time that separates these two categories, are from 121 days on. So we would then have a slightly different approach to expectations for what the vendors would do for treating each one of those two categories, and that will become important as we move down through this. So I wanted to lay the backdrop a bit. There also may be some questions that the board members may have with regards to why are we proposing to take this service and function and take it out, house, out of house. The reasons are several. Um, currently, although we do have some staff who are trained and capable of pursuing this group of accounts receivable, we do not currently have the level of staffing we would like to optimize our ability to follow up in a timely fashion. We also do not have the space available for expanded staff at this time if we even had those staff on site. And lastly, we also do not have at this time all of the technology and applications, if you will, that we would need to make ourselves as successful as we would like. An example of the technology would be I think people generically refer to it as robo-dialing, but the technical term is predict, um, predictive dialing. So all of those categories, staffing, space, as well as technology, are what we are essentially looking for external to AHS because we currently just simply do not have the capacity to provide that. 
That said, it is not our goal in perpetuity to outsource these services. There is a plan that is going to be put in place over time to bring them back in as space, staffing, et cetera, are brought up to that point in time. So, I yes. Please. So when uh, at the last meeting, I think Dave Cox, you did a retroactive review yes. of Alliance. Mm -hmm. A part of that was this. Yes. This too. So that's also another reason that that yes. this this RFP was right. So essentially, done. what this does is it um, breaks us apart so that when you put everything under one vendor, sometimes they have a adverse incentive to allow things to go to bad debt because you have have a, have a higher collection incentive on the back end. Right. So by breaking it up. You've got one company who's, you know, do a good job, you get paid. And then you go to the back end, and now we've got two different ones that we compare against, and you usually do an alpha split between mm -hmm. the two to determine which vendor gets which accounts, like, you know, A to M and then uh, N to Z or whatever, something like that. Okay, okay. so like splitting it up between these Yes, yeah, so then you can kind of compare and see each. how they do. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So, so. How do you actually break out who gets what accounts? Uh, usually, you, do you do an alpha split? So you okay. just take a, you know, A to L. Yeah, A to L, M to Z, whatever, like that. Okay, that tends on. to be the way the industry is moving anyway with yeah. these types of. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess the question I have is this demonstrated patient friendly collection workflow. How did you determine that they were able to demonstrate a patient-friendly workflow? That would have been, I understand, from the actual RFP itself. And we don't normally reveal the specific scoring metrics, but they asked very detailed questions with regards to each vendor having to offer up how exactly do they do it. And one of the elements to ensure that the standards the vendors are held to are similar, actually identical to those we hold our own staff to, is part of the contracts do require that the vendors adhere to our I believe it's the accounts management policies manual. So we have our own, and part of the requirement, if these agreements are approved and executed, is those vendors will be held to account. So theoretically, same standards that we apply to ourselves will adhere to these. And there are numerous reporting requirements that are incumbent on the vendors once and if signed that we will be monitoring all of their behaviors. And we also, I believe, get detailed logs daily of the notes that are taken from interactions with various patients who call in. And I can go into a little more depth in the subsequent pages of the summary if you would like. Yeah, I would like to hear more about that. You know, one of the issues is that many many vendor relationships uh, that fall apart on is the fact that they're not really as patient friendly in their collection activities as you'd like to see them. I and anticipated that would be a concern. Yeah, so I, I would like to know how we're going to monitor this on an ongoing basis. Are we going to use kind of a secret shopper technology? What are we going to do to assure that these vendors, and, and to tell you the truth, I have dealt with these vendors in the past, at least two of them on this list, and have had issues with them in the past, too. So I just want to be sure that we've Great. got a mechanism in place to okay. monitor it. Yeah, why don't we like add that to the issues list? We'd be happy to come back next time and tell you yeah. what we're doing. Yeah, great. Okay. 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 Um, moving along, then, that kind of lays some of the backdrop. Um, one of the other things is that we are, I'm sorry, we are proposing to um, 
go through this, and the desire is that we will increase our collections ratios. We don't have exact dollar values at this time, but that is the expectation. Um, to kind of cut to the chase, if you will, as the result of the RFP process, once that had been determined, there were a total of three vendors who responded, which is the total number of contracts before you. Um, so as a consequence, each one had a prize, if you will. Um, but we made careful determinations as to who got what, and the following is how it um, played out essentially. We are proposing um, that the board approve three separate contracts. Um, there will be two that we would like to have with Alliance One and Rash Curtis. These will be for collection of bad debt. Um, these will have a number of criteria that are outlined on the second page of the board summary before you. Um, essentially, we will be looking at this as a, I guess you could say it's a higher level of Scrutiny because these are contracts, I'm sorry, receivables that have already aged out of the prior category, which is the early out. So they will be treated in a slightly different fashion. Now, alluding to what David mentioned earlier, which is the division of duties between the two, we do have indeed um, one Rash Curtis will be given all the accounts um, receivable between ANL and Alliance One between M and Z. So that is exactly how it falls out. Um, the vendors will have essentially between uh, 60 days. There are 121 days old and they'll have until 180 days in order to collect on these accounts. Any of the vendors who are able to establish and set up payment arrangements with any of the particular patients who hold the accounts will be allowed to keep those accounts until such time as the payment arrangements are exhausted beyond 180 days if necessary. Um, if any account, however, has two consecutive missed payments, it will then be considered delinquent per terms of the proposed contract, and the vendors shall then close that account with respect to their activities and return it to AHS for assignment to a bad debt category, as far as I understand. Um, subsequently, if in the course of reviewing what we assign to the vendors, they have identified anything that has Medicare or Medi-Cal payment that can still be received, they will return that to our own department so that we can work those as appropriate. Um, with regards to some elements, perhaps the patient friendliness or at least the degree the services are settled up, um, a call center will be established by both of these proposed vendors. It will have either a toll-free or a Bay Area number. It will be staffed Monday through Friday at least eight hours, presumably business hours a day. The call center must respond to all messages left within 24 hours of the message being left. Can I interrupt you? Yes, of course. Any other questions? No. Do we have? I mean, I think we've discussed the concept oh, before, and I, you if you have anything you really I, need to highlight, I we absolutely feel free, mm -hmm. but we've discussed this, you know, if you're comfortable. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, we need to just fish or cut bait on this. If you're ready to go. To fish, so. Absolutely. If there are no other questions, um, um, great, let's move on to the next contract yep. and we'll pass them all. Oh, okay, you got it. All right, That's thank okay you. Okay, with you? Okay, no, certainly. Um, all righty then. <clears throat> Moving on to the next and last one. This is a slightly different category. It is ratification is being requested as opposed to Anyone have approval. any questions on this one? I mean, it seems to me we had an emergency. We needed yeah. a new breaker box. Oh. We had to buy a breaker box. You didn't no want to get permission for a breaker box. We had to get the hospital, so you bought a breaker box. You summarized um, it. So if there are other questions? No questions. I okay. greatly appreciate that synopsis. And <laughs> so let's move forward. Uh, may I take a motion to approve um, 3B, 3A and 3B as presented? So moved. Uh, all in favor, say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Any abstentions? Thank you very much. Thank really you. Appreciate your okay. Thank you. Thoroughness. Mr. Cox. Okay. We're up to the uh, <clears throat> financial results from May. The report. Um, start with a high level. Uh, we did have a profitable month. It was a little bit below budget. Um, the, um, 
Why do you say it was a profitable month when you were reporting negative income of 782? Uh, based on operating income. Oh, operating okay. income. Yes, because the non operating yeah, includes never, never. a non cash item. Yeah. Yes, we had a good month, David. <laughs> yeah, good month. Um, so we can track it even though we did have a, a profitable month for about 6.3% of the day. Um, but the volume remarks that did impact some revenue. Uh, at the same time, we're bringing in a lot of reserves right now. And be aware that we're going to get into July, August, those reserves are going to go away. Right. So we're going to be left with, uh, with what we have. Um, at the same time, Expenses were over budget material, 8% over the month. And MTEs um, uh, continued to grow at 4,200 MTEs uh, for the month, I think about 4140 year to date. So those continue to grow. We can look at some of the specific um, information. We've got uh, kind of a summary income statement on the top of this, and then the volumes at the bottom. Uh, so just kind of to um, there, I guess it is working. Okay. So um, here's the uh, EBITDA margin, 6.3. See, we're below budget on the margin, but uh, actually above budget on operating income. That's because of the higher level of revenue. Uh, here's the expense variance, 8% for the month, 5% year to date. And it's really kind of useful just to just look at this section since we're all the way down the year. So. Our net revenue, patient revenue, is up by 7.6%. That's good. Actually, that's total revenue. But here, you see the supplemental? That's down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, that's going to continue going down yeah. kind of here on out. We're, we've sort of hit the peak, and we're going to be going down for the next two or three years here. So it's important that we keep focusing on patient revenue to get the totals you know, as high as we can. Uh, expenses are up 8%. Uh, but we do have a very positive margin uh, and uh, just slightly below where we were last year at 5%. We're at 4.7 right now. Uh, here are the volume indicators. We're down on discharges, which I think is something we, we probably need to dig into to find out why that is. Because typically that's how you measure market share is how many actual patients you're running through the hospital. Um, uh, the length of stay is higher, and so the uh, the drop in the census is uh, actually the census is actually higher than it was last year by three percent. So that's good. And um, then down on clinic visits, we're up one and a half percent over prior year. Okay. Questions on that? I'm sorry if it's not readable. Kind of small. Yeah, Dave, if I can just add. Sorry. Yeah. Case index is going up, even though we've got longer length of stay on fewer patients. Okay. So that's a good indicator of. Severity developments, sure. right? That yeah. patients are sicker, staying longer, but we have fewer of them. Who's reviewing market share, and um, how are we holding up on market share? I you know, we're not. We're not. But I can't. We're, we're not actually doing it. I, I used to um, keep a little spreadsheet where we get we get a quarterly report from the hospital council in Northern California. You get area discharges, and you know, but I haven't kept it up in the last couple quarters. But it's Is something it that. Uh, I find, I find it useful. I think it would be um, yeah. to look at. I actually it's presented to the Finance Committee, uh, yeah. I think, a year or two ago. It, it's good to see ourselves in comparison to others within the industry yeah. to see if there are any trends that are... Yeah, you get uh, discharges, you get um, yeah. 
uh, births, ED right. visits, uh, something like that. You know, so it's helpful. I think we years ago we were starting to see some downward trends, and it was across the entire Bay Area. Right. So it's, right. It seems to have. But, but it's nice to know if we're trending different than what the rest right. of the market's doing. Mm -hmm. That's so. exactly right, yeah. Okay. So can you bring that back on a monthly basis? Is that a big deal? Uh, it's usually a quarterly, a quarterly thing, yeah. and it's okay. something we'd have to build into our process, but it would be in um, Ishwari's department that she does planning. And yeah. I'll put you on the Christmas card. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, I mean, at the full board meeting, maybe we could have a little bit of granularity about like why patient activity was there like some business you know was it like it, this is all inpatient right was it some hospital more than the others yeah. which one so you know at least we can track why it's below budget yeah just we can we that. can we can talk to operations and see if we can get more detail on what's going on thank you but we tend to see that lower census that dip around now anyway right but this yeah. is a greater dip than we had anticipated. It's more. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we do when we... And these um, are May numbers, and we're in July, so mm -hmm. I would certainly expect them in the summer, mm -hmm. but maybe not so early. Right. I mean, when we, when we do spread the budget, we look at historical right. you know, activity patterns and try to mimic it as close as possible. But, you know. And so much of that is dependent upon when the flu season hits or if it yeah. hits and when. Yeah, and that's, that's completely true, too. Right. Yeah. Okay. So here's the uh, detail on the revenue. The reason I put this one up is I wanted to kind of show you the big variance is right here. So we're uh, down 13%, and I'm going to show you later on um, something you haven't seen before, which is the what I call the reimbursement reserves. And uh, what's occurred, and this is hitting all the uh, public hospitals in the state, is um, the, the state's coming back and saying, gee, remember that waiver program that you finished a couple years ago? We've disallowed a lot of the certified public expenditures that related to your FQHCs because they're, they're taking the position that you're getting a paid, for the, paid a rate for the FQHC. Um, even if that doesn't cover your cost, you can't claim those expenses. So they're coming back and now wanting to take that money out. So we're having to reserve against that. And so that's affecting um, the, this particular line item mm -hmm. uh, right here. Now, at the same time, we've got some other things that we're bringing in to income on this line, so it's kind of offsetting itself. But I, I do think it's uh, a good time to start educating the committee about what our reimbursement reserve situation is. And I'll show you that in a little bit. Okay? Um, here's the uh, operating expenses, uh, again, 5% over budget for the year, 8% uh, over prior year, and the big variances are right where we thought they were um, before up in um, our registry and also contracted physicians. Um, uh, we, we have, with a recent reorganization, I know that operations is paying a, a, a redoubled attention to the registry issue, and I've already seen some uh, correspondence on uh, changes that are being made in terms of how we're staffing and uh, reviewing things. And it's going to be the subject of our Budget Oversight Committee next week. We had that discussion, I, I think, before I, I left mm -hmm. about registry and, and the need to backfill mm -hmm. for lunches and, and breaks. Mm -hmm. And is that still driving this number? Um, the um, I think it's our inability to hire just flat yeah, out. It, it's a complex yeah, issue. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's not about the move. Yeah, the, the specific requirement is still subject to negotiation with SEIU, which I understand is not complete. Okay. Uh, that said, the, the practice has been put into place. 
so we are back backfilling for breaks. Um, that said, there are a lot of other issues that affect the, both demand and, and supply. Okay. Uh, so, and I know that those are being looked at. Okay. Okay. All right. Here's just the trend. Uh, total expenses going back to to uh, the beginning of fiscal 2016. Uh, so you kind of get an idea of what's going on there. And um, with the time of year where we're doing our insurance renewals, it's nice for you to once in a while get a look at. Uh, what our insurance coverage is. Uh, there's more detail in the write-up. Uh, this is the summary. We have to have an insurance package for both Alameda Health System and Alameda Health Partners. The, the uh, specific limits that we have are included on the, uh, the detail that you have. Could you just hop over um, key metrics and go to insurance? Was that on purpose? Uh, we're going to end up in key, uh, key metrics. I'm going to cover it. I moved it down a couple of slides for a specific You're reason. You're killing me. I'm sorry. I'm go sorry. Ahead. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, but let's cover insurance. So uh, we're happy to report that um, we're going to come in uh, under budget and actually a little less than last year. And yeah, so what's occurred is... Um, because of our participation in the OB program, uh, BETA's OB program, we're being uh, given a credit, I think it was about $260,000 against our malpractice. What's so, the, what is BETA's OB program? Um, they, they come in and they, uh, they run uh, our uh, clinicians through their program. They talk about, do you do this, do you do that, how do you handle the situation? <laughs> and uh, by going through that, they give a credit. Educational. Okay. okay. Uh, let's see. Um, so DNO and EPLI is going up. This is due to primarily employment-related claims. Automobiles flat. Do I want to know how many automobiles we're insuring? It's, it's a handful. It's, it's, it's one less than last year, which is why it's uh, <laughs> here. But it's, um, I think it's, it's something like 14. Uh, Mike, Mike, Mike might know. I don't know. It's around 14, 14. something like that. Primarily vans, and uh, there's really nothing else here to report. So that's, I think, pretty good news. We're happy with that. Um, here's the line of credit. So we'll look back for one second. I sure. just wanted to see here. On, on the IT side, are there policies relating to IT cyber? Uh, there is. We are covered with cyber, and I'm trying to see it in remember there. where it is. Uh, but I know, I know specifically we are covered because I, I added that last year. Okay. Okay. So it's, it's in one of those. Uh, okay. Here's the um, uh, line of credit. Boy, this thing is, there we go. So this is where we are right here. Uh, we ended, uh, our calculation is approximately $116 million. There's still a few things that have to be reconciled, but pretty close. So uh, the limit uh, was $140. We're well under that, and as I reported, we actually did not take the $35 million advance, but it was, uh, we've expressed our appreciation to Alameda Alliance. I want to do it publicly, thank them for being there ready for us, but at the end of the day, uh, everything kind of fell in our favor, and we decided we, we, we realized we didn't need it, so we didn't take it. It's better to have it lined up, yeah. Uh, so yes, that's, thank them, but then thank you for going through the process, even yeah. though that was great. Uh, so looking forward, um, we've, um, you know, taken the budget, we've laid it in, we've looked at everything that we think is going to happen with reimbursement. 
Uh, we have a couple of big payments coming. Uh, this is related to the MC to cost issue. One of them right there, mm -hmm. one of them right there. Um, so we're projecting we'll get down close to zero around November. <clears throat> we, we tend to do this conservatively, so we, we might do better than that. And we're looking to end the year uh, at about you know 55 at this point. Okay, give or take. Now this is the one I wanted to talk about. This is kind of important for you to, uh, um, <clears throat> you know, kind of understand. So there, there's a line on the balance sheet that says uh, something like reimbursement receivable or payable. It's a net number because sometimes you owe money, sometimes uh, you do money. And uh, but the total is about at this point 114 million dollars. Okay. Now that number includes this number, which is that MCE to cost that we just talked about. So we know that's going to come in uh, within the next few months. And after that comes in, what we're going to be left with is 23.9 million of payables, some money that we have to pay. Now the problem is inside that 23, there's some pretty big numbers, okay? There's a great range ITT, a global payment program, prime, and this one, remember I mentioned that problem with the old waiver? Yeah. $101 million. And we are getting inklings that about half of that is going to be taken before Christmas. We don't know exactly when, but it's a pretty big number. And probably the rest of it maybe in the next fiscal year. Okay? So it, this is important because when we're now thinking about doing this EMR, mm -hmm. We kind of have to know what, you know, over a two or three year period, what's going to happen. Right. So that the good news is, in total, it's only about $24 million. Now, there's, there's something else, which is this column, which is what I call reserves. So this number is booked on the balance sheet, okay? So you can go right to the balance sheet and find that number and say that's what that is. This number is sort of the cushion. This isn't booked anywhere. This is... If everything falls our way, this could happen, in which case we'd collect $37 million more than we think, in which case this would re result in more income and also more cash. Okay? So this number is already in the cash flow and in the income statement. Mm -hmm. This number is not in either of those. But you're saying the old waiver could be only 50 million instead of 100 million, correct? No, I'm saying it. it um, well, it could. But what I'm saying is, half of that 100 is going to get taken in the next few months, and the other half probably next year, fiscal 19. Okay, well, it's a pretty big numbers. So yeah. Obviously, the trade association is fighting this issue as much <laughs> as they can. Uh, but in the meantime, we're getting indications that the state's just going to come in and take the money and, and settle litigation later. But bottom line, the potential surplus is still that 13 of all the reserves yeah. come our way. Yeah. Can we not pay them, just have the state sue us for it by time? Um, well, no, I mean, it, it, those kind of two separate issues. I mean, they're going to take the money when they take it. We're trying to delay that as long as possible. Um, and, you know, because it's better to have the cash in our bank account than their yeah. bank account. Yeah. Okay. Any questions about this? We'd be happy to come back and talk about any of these programs, but 
It's kind of a routine of what we do as we, and, then, and believe it or not, this is the summary spreadsheet because most of these we track by individual year. And there's like some of them go back 10 years, so it's, it's a pretty long list of things we're tracking. Okay? All right. Okay, now get to EMR cash. So the reason this is here is uh, around October, November, uh, we expect to come to you and ask for approval to spend somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 plus million dollars. Okay? So this is um, uh, opening that discussion, identifying issues that uh, you may have so that we can be prepared for that. And we, we realize we're not going to be meeting next month, so um, you're going to get, you know, two or three shots at this. Okay, so the first thing... Can I interrupt you? Are you through yeah. with your financial report then? I'm, I'm going to get to the I'm going to get to the <clears throat> metrics, but yes, I am. Okay. Is that was that the question? Yeah. Okay. No, I, I decided to move down here for a specific reason. Okay. Because they kind of went together. It's like okay, well, okay. I didn't want to do it twice. Okay. <clears throat> but if you want, we can go right to it. Okay. We can right. talk offline. All right. So um, the first thing is that. Um, this is this is um, uh, an estimate. Okay, this is like the before we've really negotiated anything. So, but what we've, what we've done is we've taken sort of the first round of proposals, proposed price, and said, okay, well, what does that look like? Okay, so the first thing we realized at once we did what's called the total cost of ownership analysis <clears throat> is that that number was quite a bit higher than what we had in our financial plan, the one you guys approved back in January and everything, okay? So we, we were thinking 150 over 10 years. Now we're looking at 226 million over 10 years, okay? It's a little higher, but that's not a big surprise because we knew that there were other sort of related things that have to be built into the project. So it's not like anybody missed anything. It's just like, okay, now we have real numbers. Here's, here's what they are. Okay, so the first thing is bigger. The second thing is the proposals are that a lot of the money gets spent up here. Mm -hmm. Okay, now if you recall from our financial plan, which is this line right here, we said what we'd like to see, we had our druthers, it's 15 million this year, and then 20, and then 25, and then 30, and then, and then down to 20. But basically starting here, if you just drew a line, it would be like this, okay, and then leveling out. Okay, so we take all this stuff on top, this cash, and move it over here. Okay, now that's the challenge we have because, and a lot of this can be negotiated, but the big challenge we have is if you just take the numbers the way they look today, we would have this much of a gap, which adds up to about $100 million over the next three years. So this is $100 million more than we had anticipated that would need to be in our financial plan unless we do something different. Okay? With me so far? Got it. Yeah. All right. Okay. Now, so what do we do about that? Well, um, obviously we don't have an extra hundred million laying around. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go back to the vendors and say, well, what can you do about this problem? Okay. Can you can you extend some of this out? Can you you know? And you know we're looking at a seven-year deal or a ten-year deal, and you know there there should be some room there to to do some deal dealing. Um, other thing is look at other non-EHR vendor costs that, um, you know, we, we potentially could push out. And then uh, come back to these things. So philanthropy, okay, uh, how much can we potentially uh, gain and support and when? 
Uh, we need to look at our line of credit very carefully and say, well, how much of that capacity can be used and when? How quickly would we need philanthropy money? Because by, by the time they do a feasibility study and raise funds, they could be two years. Um, I, I think we really need it um, certainly within the first three years, hopefully within the, the, the first two. Uh, sometimes with philanthropy, if you can't get the money right away, you can go to a bank and use it as security. That's, I've seen that done. Yes, you can. I've Don't, seen, I'll give you the name I, of any seen, bank but mine. Okay. Okay. But, you know, sooner is better. Uh, operational efficiencies. So, uh, and I know that Rebecca's talked about this, is, you know, we fully intend to do better than mm -hmm. what uh, the current budget is. But we need to go back and say, well, what can we do? And, in fact, I've, I've put together a little model shared it with Delvecchio and we're going to be reviewing it with the Budget Oversight Committee next week and saying, well, you know exactly how we're going to make this happen. Mm -hmm. So I think the sooner we start getting specific about that, the better off we're going to be. Uh, we can certainly look at other capital expenditures and potentially we could look at external financing, um, although I think that's, um, you know, I've done some preliminary discussions with some banks and they're coming back with, you know, some interest, but it's relatively small dollars and relatively high interest rates. So, you know, that, that's uh, kind of where we are. Um, so uh, then we come to the operating plan. Uh, so because really this comes down to how much cash can we generate. Right. You know, and realize that 1% is worth 10% a year. So 1% is 10 million? 10 million a year. 1% 1, 1 right. is 10 million a year. Million so if we were right. operating, say, at an 8 to 10%, even a margin, we'd be generating another 30 or 40 million dollars a year. Right. You know that that <clears throat> you know pretty much takes care of this entire problem. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, where we are, you know, we're going to be running pretty close to the the reef here. So we've got to be real yeah. specific, you know, about how we're going to do that. And um, so we're going to go back. We're going to meet with the budget oversight team, Luis, um, other folks, <clears throat> and uh, look at the volumes. Look at um, wh what can we reliably count on for revenue cycle, um, what's going to be effective population health, you know, can we convert, successfully convert our, our revenue stream to capitation and what can we do with that, uh, how that might, might help things. Um, certainly look at wage increases, uh, benefit programs, staffing and productivity, we've got a staffing, uh, 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 staff productivity model that we've, uh, we've built and uh, can <coughs> use. And uh, sort of look at lean initiatives, operational efficiencies, and non-salary costs. So, so that we, we expect to complete that entire exercise and be back to you probably in September with uh, more specificity on the operating plan to say this is how we intend to make this work. Okay. And Dave, in in the uh, initial, you know, as you chose the lead vendor, you said the differences were about ten percent, like between the. So that would be about fifty million again over there, right? Between um, the two vendors. Between Epic and Cerner. Mm -hmm. Oh, the, yeah. Total cost. Yes. I'm not sure what you're asking. So, I mean, in terms of like cost of the full ownership of the project, like a ten percent difference between the vendors would yeah, it would be more like. 48, 50 million, right, over the cost of the project okay. at this point in time before about 20 million. 20 million. 20 million. 20 million. 23 million, 10% of 230 million dollars, right? Mm -hmm. 
So the, well, it went from 150 to 225, right? So it's okay. 75. Uh, looks like. So 23. Okay. okay. Right. Okay. Our budget doesn't really support this initiative, per se, um, by any means. So it's interesting that we've just um, gone through a budget process well, that really doesn't support inherently the most important project we have on. So anyway, we're just going to have to make it work somehow. Um, well, I mean, I've, I've run the projections. and um, You're short. We're, we're, yeah, I mean, if we, <laughs> if we had the original cost and if we hit our... EBITDA <laughs> plan, right. we would be okay, but we'd be right underneath the yeah, line. Right. With the extra 75, and with it being earlier than later, it becomes problematic. So we need to mm -hmm. we need to come up with a plan, but we haven't negotiated yet, so we don't really know what we're dealing with. So, mm -hmm. um, have we identified other sources as well of funding? So, in other words, any uh, any other potential. Uh, Entities that might be willing to provide some grant money to us. We have some opportunities we're we are working on. Yes. Okay. Good. Because you're looking to approve this in when October? October September, November. October, November. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah, we don't have years. tons of time. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. By the way, I know that. So. Yeah. Just you know, and one of the, one of the specific night. things that you recall from being in the plan was this um, uh, capital reserve fund that's part of the county relationship. Right. Yeah. We'd like to move forward with the request for that because uh, we think that by the time we ask you for approval, we'd like to have as many of these dominoes in place as, mm -hmm. as possible. So moving uncertainty. Okay, so um, this is the operating metric. So this is the response to the question from last meeting uh, about, well, what should we be tracking to see if we're on the plan? And um, uh, actually, a couple years ago before you guys joined, we, we had a... Um, something similar to this where we, we broke this down into four categories of, of metrics, uh, access, which is essentially volume, uh, revenues, expenses, and cash flow. So I just kind of want to run through these real quick, but um, these are things that I would suggest, certainly I hope we can report anything, but um, you know, system discharges I think are very important. Um, as you can see here, we, uh, in 2017, I, we were kind of Started to track down a little bit. I think we need to be looking for growth there. Mm -hmm. uh, the census and then this number, adjusted patient days, really is an attempt to incorporate everything we do, all the outpatient services, all the ambulatory uh, visits, as a common methodology to, to do this computation. Mm -hmm. So it should be good. But you can see, uh, you know, after increasing here in 2016, we're now down. And uh, of course, we're budgeting to be uh, quite a bit higher next year. Are you really expecting us uh, by the end of June to be at 7.3% EBITDA? Because right now we're at 63 uh, That was May. That was forecasted um, before we saw May's results. I was expecting the expenses to be a little bit lower. And so I think we're probably going to end up around 6.5, my best guess. Uh, right in that range, 6 to 6.5. Big news. Okay. Okay, so here's um, revenue. Obviously, top line revenue growth is important. Um, We've done well there. You can see back here we're, mm -hmm. and this is uh, apples to apples because the acquisitions occurred in 2014. Mm -hmm. So we've done well there. Uh, the collection ratio is important, uh, both uh, on patient revenue and in total. And right. then this number, net revenue per just patient day. So that's taking revenue, this number, mm -hmm. divided by that number, APD. So it gives us 
So currently we're about 3,000 for a gestation day, and um, there's the forecast. Assembly on expenses, total expenses are important. Uh, operating expenses per patient day, so this is taking that number divided by that number. So we're at 2,800. You can see we went from 2,800 to 26, and 2,881, and then 3,000 next year. Uh, paid FTEs, so we expect to end the year right about here on average. Um, and then a couple of ratios, paid FTEs per APD, adjusted patient day, 4.7. That's sometimes called adjusted occupied bed. I might have that wrong. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And then uh, worked hours per adjusted patient day. Uh, you can see we uh, back here at 23.9. In 16, we went 21.3. Now we're 23.3 and going up. Aren't there uh, some um, statewide benchmarks that yeah. relate to some of these, especially on the expense side, that we might be able to look at? Yeah, there, there are. I mean, it, um, you, you sort of, uh, with, a, with a health system that has ambulatory and psych yeah, and right. skilled nursing, you know, it, it's easier to do it by division than in total, but we do. And, and actually, in the... Um, uh, this productivity module we put together, we do it by department, mm -hmm. so which is much better. But yeah, there there are there are. It'd be nice to kind of, even though I know there there are complexities here that aren't necessarily yeah. built into some of the statewide modeling on on those. If we could kind of try to compare some of them, that'd be good. Yeah, we can. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> we didn't actually bring it to this meeting, but I, I can report that we're looking at changing a, a particular contract that will give us access to much better benchmarking information than we currently have on a variety of areas, not just productivity, but uh, quality, supply cost, uh, physician productivity, a yeah. number of different things, and do it in a way that's easily accessible by our staff. I think it would be great for, for this committee to see some of how, how we compare Okay. The statewide benchmarks on a number of those indicators. Yeah, we can great. do that. I'm sure. D Dave, I have a question, um, and that is, if you if you're calculating FTEs per um, AOD, like, mm -hmm. then if your average length of stay goes down, I mm -hmm. mean, you're being more productive. Mm -hmm. Doesn't the ratio actually show worse? It depends on what happens with staffing. Because, because uh, your, your, your ratio will show more because the length of stay. So sometimes I just feel like if your productivity is going up because the ALOS is going down, so there might be a change. So could that be like a more meaningful metric? You, you sort of have to look at all of them together. So let's just yeah, take so that one. So let's things. say under the environment we're in, length of stay goes down. Mm -hmm. So there are fewer patients in beds. But we've got a waiting list, right? So guess what? The pay, the beds fill up. So now you've got the same number of occupied beds, with same staffing or maybe improved. Okay. okay. On the revenue side, um, in some cases we could do better on revenue. Like with Medicare, we'll do better because right. we have more discharges. That's how you get paid. When we move to a capitated environment, it's even better because we've sort of fixed our revenue. Mm -hmm. We reduce length of stay, so yeah. the revenue doesn't go down. It right, stays right, right. The same. and the length is going and, down. And actually, you can kind of expand your enrollment mm -hmm. and get more revenue mm -hmm. for the same expense base. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's complicated. You sort of need to look at all of the indicators together to figure out what's going on. It's not just what one. Percentage, do we have per diems, of course, but what percentage are per diems? Um, 
cancer? Um, very small, probably less than 5%. Right. And, and in fact, you know, most of ours uh, are primarily cost-based, although even with things like the waiver and, and cost-based mm -hmm. reimbursement, that's switching over to value-based payment and there, there are uh, you know, annual cost increase limitations. For example, if your costs go more than 4%, we're not going to get paid more because uh, there's a limit on that. So mm -hmm. they put that into the calculation. Mm -hmm. So okay. So that was the metrics report. So let me just stop at Anthony and ask you if uh, if that met your question because I said I was going to get back to it. Yes. Okay. I think so I forgot the question, but well, I, th well, I think it's you know, <laughs> yes. I think it's very interesting. Good. Okay. So um, in, in summary, um, you know, we've got a little bit of a challenge here, but we've got time. Um, Very much. Uh, we, we do believe that, you know, as is, this would kind of exceed our ability, uh, but we're going to go back and negotiate. Um, <clears throat> we're going to try to lock down these sources of philanthropy, and uh, we have a request that you authorize us to go to the county and ask for this capital reserve fund. Um, <clears throat> we, you know, we need to factor in the reimbursement settlements because, you know, that potentially could be a factor, either either positive or negative. It could be, I'm trying to structure it so it'll be net positive, mm -hmm. if anything. And uh, certainly we need to look at the operating margin. You know, we've said we're going to get back up to 6% within a couple of years. Um, you've asked for some detail on how we're going to do that. We're going to work on together and put together a plan and tell you how we expect to do that. Okay? Uh, and then, you know, finally, other financing alternatives, you know, potential, but, you know, I wouldn't... Uh, I wouldn't bank on that for huge dollars. You could probably get maybe 10 or 20 million over this period. It's potential, but it would, it would also be costly. Okay. Um, so the uh, <clears throat> objective here was really just to identify issues and get mm -hmm. feedback from you that, you know, when we come back in September and October, you know, are we going to be able to answer your questions? Is there anything else you want us to, to look into? Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. So we have an action item, I believe, which is to request the County of Alameda to authorize use of capital reserve fund for the Alameda Health System electronic medical record. Um, any questions with regard to uh, Mr. Cox's memo? Okay, I'll take a motion to... Uh, I'll second that. Thank you. Um, all in favor? Aye. Aye. I hear no opposed and no abstentions. That is carried. So, and just to be clear, so this is going to be a recommendation to the That's board. board. That is true. Okay, very good. Thank you. Mr. Gavender. Okay. Uh, so, uh, uh, in the report, I included the Gantt chart again, the, the famous Gantt chart that everyone loves so much. This will be the last time you'll see that because we're in the last phase of that, which is contract negotiations which is really just the next step in a, in a much larger, greater project. You need so, to start a chart how we're going to afford it. Well, that's, that's <laughs> the man to my left. Yeah, that's, that's the grant chart. And so uh, in the report, I mentioned all of the aspects that are starting now in the, in the pre-implementation planning and, and ready for uh, getting us to that next step, of, of which contract negotiations is a big piece of that, uh, which is a piece of the implementation process. And, and we aren't just... I guess mentioned in, in our meeting today, we're not starting contract negotiations now. We started them when we sent the RFP, right? So all of the RFP is part of the contract that will be that will be working to get done on all the features and functions that were included and the language that was included in the RFP. 
So this is just the next step of negotiations that I'm working through. Uh, we expect that to take um, all of the summer, it maybe come back in October, maybe November, so I don't want to say set expectations appropriately on when it's going to come back exactly to Finance Committee or the full board uh, for review of that contract. But that's the timeline we're on and the work to be done. Um, we've completed the easy step, right, of mm -hmm. selecting a vendor uh, as the lead vendor in the situation. Now we need to get into the hard work of getting ready to do the project and actually doing the project. A lot of resource requirements in that uh, that add up into financial resource requirements, but they're human resource requirements, change management resources, uh, in the effort to get done. So that's the, the part of the process we're into right now, and um, a continued effort will be happening over the next months. Uh, in September, I'll be able to bring back a lot more information on where we're at in that planning process, all the things that have been completed, and what happens now before we get to that, okay. uh, to contract signing and, and moving forward in January with the kickoff of the actual implementation process. So lots of work going on uh, over the summer months on that. Uh, any questions on the EHR plan as we're, as we're laying it out? No. Okay, good. Uh, the, the next item I include in the memo is on ransomware. Uh, it's, it's a repeat element this, in this month's report last month because we had another major outbreak of ransomware across the, uh, the world as it's got infected. U Ukraine seemed to be particularly targeted by this last one, uh, and it was apparently not meant to raise money. It was a mainly event to just disrupt activity. So it was a very interesting and different twist on, on ransomware in this case because it encrypted the hard drives, but if people paid the ransom, the, the encryption did not decrypt the files. So it was, it, yeah, so ransoms were not paid because the decryption wasn't working. So it was a, a, a real twist on the whole ransomware process in this case, uh, specifically around that virus. More importantly, I want to just talk about the impact of healthcare because it isn't, um, Generally, viruses don't target anyone in general. Some do, very specifically. Right. But in, in general, viruses get out to where they get out. If people click on the link, they get the virus, they get it. Uh, that's how it happens. Uh, and so we're doing very specific things to ensure that, that we're safe, uh, or as safe as we can be. Um, the, the way ransomware happens is people. Because people click on links, they open emails, they click on a link, they go to a website that has an infection. So we have been attacked, or, or we have been infected five times by ransomware uh, in our organization over the last, well, since, since I've been here, since we've been recording this type of thing. Uh, in all cases but one, we were able to recover from backup tapes, uh, backup files to restore our files, and, and essentially did not lose any mission critical information. Uh, it wasn't... Uh, they weren't in areas that were around patient care specific areas. They were administrative and, and work group files, so not mission critical clinical data. Uh, in, in one case, we lost a C drive of a person's personal laptop because we don't back those up. So from that perspective, we felt we feel <coughs> relatively good about where we're at currently. We know we need to educate our staff more uh, and are taking actions to, to harden our systems where we can do that and educate our staff more about this, about clicking on, going to links, uh, and doing things that cause us harm. So that's the, the, the approach we're taking towards ransomware specifically and, and all viruses in general. I'll keep you up at night? Uh, yes. Just shoot them a copy of our current budget, 2.7 <laughs> operating margin. No one's gonna ask us for a ransom. So. <laughs> Uh, it's indiscriminate. It doesn't <laughs> care who you are. 
I just had a question on the C drive. So are we yes. requiring our staff to, to not leave things on the C drive that aren't backed up? Because I know in some organizations, people have a tendency to just work too much off their C drives and then... Right. We, we do allow people to use their C drives. <coughs> we, don't, <coughs> we don't back them up. We back up the network drives. And, and as, as we set up people's computers, their home directory is the network drive. Mm -hmm. So they have to go out of their way to store it on the C drive. So that's the way we approach that. We don't disallow storing on the C drive, but we... Sometimes it's good to have a policy in place to say that if you're going to work on any mission-critical documents or other things that they have to be worked on on the yeah, drive that gets backed up. Yeah. At the bank, you have to work on the Citrix environment. Right. That's, uh, that's, the, that's one of the steps we're taking. In our current environment, we're about 25% Citrix, 75% fat clients, thick clients, full PCs. And so over the next two or three years, we have a plan to convert to, to flip that, to move more, 75% to the Citrix environment, 25% to the to a yes. thick client where required, especially and only where required. And especially in light of kind of this increased activity for ransomware, yeah. that it would be yeah. good to, to establish some sort of policy around that for those people like me. Uh, I mean those people who, <laughs> who tend to leave too much on their C drives and become vulnerable. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm here to get your feedback today on the proposed uh, AHS uh, performance dashboard specific to one of the pillars. Um, you've seen the performance dashboard for FY17. Uh, for FY18, um, we again want to um, tie up some metrics that are critical and give us a balanced scorecard across the six pillars. Uh, the process we are doing is that, as I'm doing today, is uh, the different committees are reviewing each of the pillars. So I'm requesting your feedback specific to sustainability. Yeah. And we intend to bring the entire draft dashboard with just the metrics to the board next week. And then uh, uh, once we get your feedback, we will tie it up with some of the baselines as well as the targets and bring it back for your feedback and approval uh, later this month. So um, as you're familiar, we have six pillars. And the sustainability pillar, uh, we, uh, if you recall, for FY17, we just had EBITDA, uh, obviously in an attempt to make sure we are tying uh, specific metrics that are tied to productivity and help us measure how the organization is doing. Uh, we uh, have pulled together three other metrics we think would be meaningful to a high-level dashboard, knowing that David just presented some other metrics which we'll be, we can bring back to the Finance Committee as well, which uh, give us more detail on some of the other finance-driven uh, metrics. So uh, the metrics we are recommending uh, and would like your feedback on are starting off with EBITDA. I don't have to explain that. Uh, then we also have a cost per adjusted patient uh, days, FTEs per AOB, as well as worked hours per um, APD. Now, if you look at the trends for these um, indicators, you can see these uh, laid out here. Um, so we certainly do have our uphill challenge, uh, depending on our target for next year, on how we maintain it and how we measure this and how we um, um, a trend towards uh, our goal. Um, you can see the EBITDA um, <coughs> trends over the last few years. You can see the revenue and expense uh, trends as well for just patient day, uh, the FTEs per AOB, as well as our worked hours. Mm -hmm. 
do you have any questions? Because we are intending uh, to bring back um, all these metrics for your feedback. Specific to sustainability, um, you know, if you think about how would we intend to move these metrics, we are, as David mentioned, through our budget oversight process as well as through our budget oversight committee, we will we are looking at comprehensive benchmarks, and we would bring back um, uh, our targets towards those, and we will be looking at these benchmarks as we um, look at our internal operational performance improvement plans, as well as tying these up to our uh, position control so we can be tight in managing labor. Is there any reason to have an operating margin? Um on the metrics, you know, we tend to focus on EBITDA, but as our operating margin will drop below 3% next year and head to zero if we're not careful, um, you know, EBITDA is kind of an emotional thing. Oh, we're at 4 or 5%. Um, we're, 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 we're coming thin to the line here, and it's a question, not a statement. So, Yeah, I think one of the problems with EBITDA is good because it's cash flow, yeah. right, which is good. Right. And there are a lot of... Sometimes there can be distortions between EBIT and operating. The problem with EBIT is you say, oh, you know, 4%, that's good. Well, actually, it really needs to be like 10 to 12. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? So it can, be, it can be a little bit deceiving. But yeah. then people who are 10 to 12, oh, that's, we're, we're, we're making too much money. That's, you know, we're, we're not for profit. We shouldn't do that. But <coughs> no, no, no. You, you need that because of the capital. Usually right. you need to be spending, exactly. you know, 6 to 8% on capital. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So unless you have it up there, then, you know, yeah. over the long run, you're going to run out of money. Right. So, so is that agreement we need to add operating margin? I mean, that's um, a thing. We can do current ratio. Do we have the ability to pay bills? But that's in our financials, so I think that's Yeah, I mean, we, we tried to get this down to four. So I'd say if you had to pick one between EBITDA and operating, I'd pick EBITDA because, yeah. you know. But I, but I would educate people that, you, you know, you really need to be uh, so not, you know, four, four is not going to cut it long term. Right. Why can't we have five? Well, it could be five, six, whatever. Yeah, I think having both EBITDA and operating margin. Um, oh, you mean have, oh, you mean have the dashboard. Oh, the operating as well. Well, so just because if you look at this, it gets it gets. We crowded. can't read them anyway, so what's, what's yeah, what's it gets crowded. <laughs> we, just, we just said let's pick four. It, it could be five. It, it doesn't matter. You know, but I mean, you know, as you saw on the on the ratios I showed you, we're going to. Actually, I didn't have our on there, but I could. You know, we can report that. Can you throw it in? And if it's too blurred, we can take it out. But uh, you know, I, as sure. we get close to zero, I think that's important for people mm -hmm. to know. No problem. Yeah. Can do yeah. That. yeah, and those are benchmarks that, that that's a good indicator that mm -hmm. you can easily say, show yeah. what people are doing across the states. Other than that, do you have any thoughts about what else we need to put? No, I think on the financial, I think on the sustainability side, I, I think these are good. Yeah. Okay. As I said, I mean, if we look at kind of the statewide data, too, and some of the metrics that they're, they're beginning to uh, look at and collect information on, we might consider adding those as well after, mm -hmm. after you are able to provide us kind of with what the statewide view of the world is. Thank you. So thank you very much. It's great. Very, very, very helpful. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. All right. Okay. Can I go to the um, issue tracking? I went back to June and I spoke to Mr. Holly about it before I cut him off and he left. So okay. um, 
But I don't think, I don't know if we need to come back with it, but I don't think we ever had uh, a reply to a May our May 5th meeting where our president asked for a little more detail on the GE healthcare contract and the disparity between our different facilities. And I think uh, Ira said he had sent an email about it. So maybe if we could come back with that email okay. or just a, a really short presentation. I mean, I think we kind of get um, why different facilities have different EKG equipment, right. but it'd be nice. And um, I think we also wanted to tighten up our um, the way that we show our contracts by having uh, approval boxes in the contract summary um, besides just medical staff. Who, what else, who else in departments signed off on these contracts? And I don't okay. think, think that we've done that yet. Okay. I can do that. Great. Other than that, is there anything you need to fill us in, uh, Mr. Cox? Um, I, can, I can tell you in care coordination that she, Sheila Lizo has, in fact, completed um, her um, implementation of weekend coverage. So she said that we can report that's a done item. Great. That was the objective. Uh, I'm planning to come back on the revenue cycle in September with the contract request. So we can wait till then. Uh, capital expenditures ready to go. We're just trying to find, you know, time. Um, tonight's in a good meeting. We have found we've kind of run out of time, but, um, you know, that's something we can bring uh, next time. No, I, I know budget for two months was mm -hmm. the, a black hole, so. Yeah, and I think the, um, the Alameda Hospital parcel tax we can bring next time. Okay. And, no, that's um, great. Uh, there's really yeah, no update September. on commercial contracts. I, think, uh, I believe we did sign Blue Shield, and I think we've signed one other one. I can't recall what it was, but oh, good. still working We still on need it. to, I mean, every time, I was so happy when I talked to one of our lead doctors in Alameda, and he said, that doesn't make any difference. 50, over 50% 50 goes to Anthem, and until you have Anthem, you've made no progress. So I went kind of yeah, okay. well, sniffling in the corner, <coughs> but um, anyway. It's not 50. Um, he said it was more like 60 or 5 or 70. I can only tell you what he told me, and I can tell you the yeah. name off record. But anyway, um, you think that'll be done this year? Uh, I'm hopeful, yes. Okay. I think there's a dialogue going on. You know? Okay. Yeah, there is. No, we, oh, you found we're yeah, talking, so We're talking again. That's good. You were able to identify someone who took responsibility in Anthem for... Um, I think what, what's actually happening is the, um, the collection ratio on the business that we still get quite a bit of business from sure. Blue Cross, you know, because it comes in through the The collection ratio is now up to the point, almost to the point where this is what our offer is anyway, so it becomes like, well, yeah. you know, <clears throat> why wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it's hurting them. I mean, it's, it's making, it'll make a difference to them. Mm -hmm. right. So, yeah. Any other comments? Okay. Um, can I end the meeting by um, apologizing to Mr. Moy, um, how we started. I apologize for being flipped. It wasn't appropriate. Um, what only thing I needed to say is uh, if you change the agenda, would you please let me know? And can I direct the clerk that from, at least for this committee, um, from the time you post the board book, if you make any changes, you just let us know mm -hmm. because a lot of us look at it first things. I print it as chair. And if you add things or subtract things, um, it's really so. If you could let to send an email to the four of us, it would just yeah. be super helpful. So again, apologies to Mike. Thanks for that. Standing operating procedures. Um, take a motion to adjourn. So moved. Thank you. Second. All approved. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Thank Collins. you. Stay well, you are.